MSW Media. News with swearing. Daily beans, daily beans. Daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Monday, October 26, 2020. Today, COVID cases top 83,000 on Saturday as five people in Mike Pence's office test positive for COVID. And this sounds ridiculous, but a Russian agent has hatched a plot to give Santa Claus, Mrs. Claus, and the elves a free COVID vaccine to help Trump win re-election. More Trump tax news from the New York Times. An insidious executive order allowing Trump to fire disloyal federal employees. Trump admits Republicans will likely lose the Senate. And COVID data reporting has been underreported since the administration privatized control of the data. I'm your host, A.G. And I am Dana Goldberg. Dana, how are you? How's your... It's Monday. Uh, It's (laughs) super cloudy here, and I pinched a nerve in my shoulder Saturday, and I'm in excruciating pain. How are you? Oh, my goodness. Um, I... It is cloudy here, but I don't mind that, because I'm tired of the heat waves in Los Angeles. Um, (laughs) I'm freaked out every time someone's like, there's eight days left, and I'm like, shut up! Um, But... (laughs) So, you know, doing fine, just getting through it one day at a time. Other than that, things are blissful. Mm. Good. And um, <laughs> I didn't even believe it when I said it, but I'm glad we're moving on. Let's go. <laughs> Let's make it real. Make it real. Make it real. Figure it you make it. Uh, I, uh, we got our first troll during our happy hour, no. uh, Daily Beans happy hour on Friday. Oh, I missed it. I'm so sorry. That would have been joyful. What happened? Because normally what we do is we do from four to five, we'll do like just patrons and then I'll open it up to the public for like a half an hour. And we did that and somebody somebody came in and was playing some heavy metal music and saying uh, like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. And then said the N word a bunch of times and then said Trump 2020 a bunch of times and then dropped a bunch of terrible bigoted slurs again and uh you know this is why i don't let my mom on social media she cannot control herself i will call her and i apologize <laughs> and so we were able to kick them out but unfortunately now um we are just going to be keeping the happy hour uh daily beans happy hours on friday to patrons only so if you're not a patron you can become one at patreon.com slash muller she wrote or uh, we also have a supercast. You'll be able to join there as well. And, uh, you know, it's three bucks a month. Uh, it's no biggie. You get all these things ad free, all these episodes, and you get them early and you get research notes and all sorts of, of, of awesome stuff. And we also have had almost, I think, almost 500 now donations of one year memberships. That's amazing. Uh, to people who can't swing it. And so you can uh, sign up to be on the wait list to grab one of those memberships uh, that you'll get a full year. And uh, that's at dailybeanspod.com. Just scroll down on the main page there. And yet that's also where you can donate. It's $36 to buy a one-year membership for somebody who can't swing it right now. So thanks to all of our incredible patrons who've who've been able to to donate those just hundreds and hundreds of of, subscri- of subscriptions. That's amazing. What great people. What an incredible community. There's givers. There are there are more better people than there are worse. There are more of us than there are them. I'm like, I'd love to see the pay it forwards. That's fantastic. Yes. And I think as of today, almost speaking of uh, more of us than them, 60 million almost people have voted early. Isn't that amazing? 60 million. Allison, I was looking at the, the, the ages 18 to 24. They are like 
quadrupling their early voting numbers in mm-hmm. all of the swing states. It's just, mm-hmm. it's, it gives me that, it does give me hope. I mean, I know all those votes are not Democratic votes, uh, but whew, it is nice to see people who are caring about our uh, voting institution. At least it appears, it appears so. Yeah. And I think my favorite part is that 60 million votes, probably by tomorrow, uh, end of business, we will have more people who have voted early than voted for Donald Trump. Yes. In 2016. So that's awesome. Uh, it might already be there. We just don't have the numbers in yet. But that's yeah. brilliant. So keep it up. And remember, November 3rd is not Election Day. It's the last day to vote. That's what you should think of it as. So vote now if you haven't. Um, all right. We have a lot of news to get to. So let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right, I'll give you a little bit of a coronavirus update here. It's about to get bad. It's starting to get really, really bad, and it's about to get even worse. We have 83,000 new cases in a single day, nearly breaking the single-day record, which we set on Friday. We are fast approaching 100,000 per day. I thought we would get there in August when we had that kind of a kick up after the April wave, um, but it started to mitigate a little bit because, you know, states went back to locking down and people went back to social distancing and wearing masks. And now because everyone is going indoors and it's cold outside um, and, uh, you know, you were compounding everything with other illnesses, uh, especially the flu, get your flu vaccine um, and, and continue to socially distance. Maybe, maybe not do Thanksgiving this year. I know it sucks, but we are, it's not looking good. And now five of Mike Pence's staff have five. tested positive. Five. Including Chief of Staff Mark Short. Uh, and um, it, a couple of, like, three other unnamed people and then one other guy whose name I don't care about. And uh, <laughs> he has a name. They all have names. I just don't know what they are. Um, but five. And he's continuing. He's in North Carolina right now at a rally where, oh, by the way, he called uh, Amy Coney Barrett, called her Amy Coney Barron, which was interesting because she's got seven kids. She's far from far from Barron. Um, (laughs) But uh, and he also said, we have to stick with it. Stick, stick with it, everyone. And I'm like, stick with 225,000 dead, like eight and a half, almost nine million cases, uh, millions, tens of millions out of work. I'm speculating, Al, and I know that I am convinced now that Mike Pence had it and we didn't know about it because there's I understand he doesn't want to social distance and quarantine, but it's very strange. Like when there's five people in your direct staff and you are the head of the coronavirus task force. That <laughs> they you can't are, stop it from it, their they office. They can't stop it from their own office. How are they going to protect us? But I'm starting to wonder if he already had it and kept it from the American people. And that's why he keeps testing negative. He's that's getting his I tests. Think. That's what I think. And I also am very curious as to where Bill Barr is because he was around all of those mouth breathers Ugh. Um, several weeks ago when they all got it. So um, it's, yeah, because we know that when the when the people started testing positive in his office, Mark Meadows, it, you know, it came out that he was trying to keep that from the public. They didn't want right. to let everyone know. And so as we've been saying, it appears herd immunity has always been the plan. Um, Mark Meadows actually appeared on Jake Tapper's show Sunday morning and said they are no longer trying to control or contain the virus. They've they've given up. They've surrendered. Um, <laughs> they've downplayed the virus in favor of herd immunity. And then now they're just... Beyond the point where they can, can do where they care about containing it. Uh, and Jake Tapper was like, what? Do, like, what? You're saying you're saying you did what? It was just bananas. And uh, interestingly, the Wall Street Journal got some more recordings of one of the 
<laughs> plans that Russian agent Mike Caputo cooked up at the Department of Health and Human Services. Remember the ad campaign? They were going to use about $300, $350 million in taxpayer COVID stra- uh, money to convince Americans uh, to put this ad campaign together with like Dennis Quaid. Yes. Everything's fine, right? They were going to do this. Don't don't be afraid. You know, all the celebrities. Well, it yeah, <laughs> the big names. <laughs> well, it appears one of their actual ideas was to deem mall Santas as essential I'm workers. I'm dying. And when you offer said them this is it. <laughs> headline. Offer them free vaccines if you know the Santas would sell the idea to the public. The best part is this is a quote. This is a. Fucking, these are words that they strung together in the New York goddamn times. They said, Mrs. Claus and the elves were also going to be included in the vaccine. (laughs) (laughs) And in the words of the the great first lady, who gives a fuck about Christmas? Who (laughs) fuck Christmas? (laughs) Now, AstraZeneca recently had to halt one of their warp speed vaccine programs. First of all, warp speed, probably not the best plan for a fucking vaccine testing process. Um, But they had to stop one of their programs due to an issue with a placebo this week. Um, They're restarting it. But Trump has been trying to push an election miracle. But this Santa shit reads like American Horror Story uh, chapter. You know, like we had Hotel and Carnival and The Coven (laughs) and now Murder House. And now we've got... Mall Santas. What? what about and what Fuck. Jews? What do we not get a vaccine? What the hell's that about? There's no Hanukkah Harry and a Macy's being like, hey, why don't you no. shoot this into your veins? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Sorry, you have to be. You have, it's Christmas only. It's jacked up. It is. It is. Uh, sorry about that. <clears throat> but uh, I don't know. That's one story. What? What else is happening, Dana? Oh, we've got yes, more headlines. This one's coming from uh, the Trump. Tax series, I, I, the trilogy. It's 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 better than Twilight. I feel like the last trilogy I read was Twilight. Don't judge me, people. No, it's like it's going to be like the Harry Potter. Like the yes. final one is going to have to come in two parts, and there's going to be Horcruxes involved, and that probably explains what's wrong with Mitch McConnell's hands. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I have no idea. Mitch McConnell looks like he's turning inside out. Okay, uh, this he really does. I'm like, your blood's supposed to be on the inside of your skin, Mitch. What the fuck is going on? Okay, this one's from the New York Times Trump Taxes series. We learned this weekend that all that money that Trump bragged about donating to charity wasn't actually from donating to charity. What? No. Shocking. Yes, no, Allison, get this. Trump and his family have four properties that they didn't develop, thereby getting hundreds of millions of tax dollars in credits called conservation easements. Yes. Mm, So you remember uh, Seven Springs from the book? Yep. Mm -hmm. One of the properties. So this is one of those properties. The loss of development dollars is what Donald is calling, and I quote, charitable contributions. So, oh, God, why? He's, I hate, because I don't want to say he's good at this, because he's not good at anything. But man, he is Mm -hmm. really good at ripping off the federal government uh, in tax dollars. So additionally, in the story, uh, it's illegal to claim the conservation easement tax credit if you use the undeveloped land for personal use, which the Trump family does. Shocking. So mm. I yeah, I hope this is charged in Manhattan's DA for sure. Add this to the list. It is ongoing at this point. I'm telling you, he's going to be the Eric Trump of Al Capone's. He's going to prison for tax evasion. For mm. all the shit he's done, if it's for tax evasion, I will still be happy. Mm. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, I think I think you're right. I think the Manhattan DA is probably looking at that as well um, as part of you know tax evasion, tax fraud, because yeah, you can't use that as personal like for personal fun times, party family fun times, which I'm I'm assuming tr- the Trumps just throw such fun parties uh, that you know there's got to be a lot of cocaine. Oh, I mean, yeah. In t- all honesty, okay, charity contributions. I, I, if you're considering Tiffany Trump a charity case, which I am at this point after seeing that Trump <laughs> Pride event. <laughs> I and thought sure. it was Miley Cyrus. That's oh, my so God. Cool. Mary texted me and she's like, holy shit, I haven't seen Tiffany since she was four. And I said, holy shit, her voice hasn't changed one bit. <laughs> <laughs> God, I love Mary. Uh. Well, this is pretty fun. There's a new minute order out in the Flynn case. And in, in true uh, Judge Sullivan style, this minute order is a novel. It's like a 10-minute order. It's it, it's he, does, he cites case law, but he's basically saying, all right, Sidney Powell, you remember how you um, uh, accidentally changed the dates on Andy McCabe and Peter Strzok's notes? I asked you to file any final paperwork, you know. Uh, that you proves your case and you filed those things they had those errors quote unquote in them you said that they had put sticky notes on there and forgot to take them off when you scanned them in and sent them over as actual court documents i also asked you for a signed uh written statement under penalty of perjury saying that all your documents were correct and you failed to hand in that document so what i'm asking you for now is that you need to certify in writing under penalty of perjury that everything that you've handed over to the court in this case is factually accurate and hasn't been altered. And uh, you need to do that also for any additional supplemental filings that you've made. Have a nice day. So (laughs) this is going to be interesting because now they have to go on the record under penalty of perjury, which they were supposed to do before, but didn't. And I didn't know that. They had asked him, say, hey, turn in whatever, you know, whatever shit you need to turn in. And we also need a thing that you sign saying that everything is factually accurate. And they didn't hand in that letter, but they handed in documents that had been altered. Uh, You know, they say it was on accident. And (laughs) and the judge is like, you you turn in a thing saying, yeah, we made this mistake uh, after you were caught doing it, but you still haven't signed this affidavit under penalty of perjury that all of your documents are true and correct so can you do that cool thanks bye i need that by october 26th have a nice day so all of that's due tomorrow well today fantastic good i'm glad i'm glad that they're not getting away with the shit over and over because it is infuriating at least someone's still doing their job we still have some good judges in there we still have them Okay, this next one. Okay, AG, why the fuck? I'm sorry. I know I'm very cursing on a Monday. Why in the world do these people not realizing that someone's taping? Someone is taping them. Like, there's so many released tapes. I, this is another one. There's a leaked audio tape of a high-dollar Trump Republican fundraiser that cost up to $250,000 a person. Has Trump telling them that Republicans are going to lose the Senate? Hallelujah. <laughs> but of course, that's not his fault. That's not my fault. During the debate, I take full responsibility, but none of this is my fault. Okay. <laughs> so he says that's not his fault. And then he went on to say, I think the Senate is tough, actually. The Senate's very tough. I have the worst Trump impression ever because I really have no desire to sound like him, by the way. So he says he thinks the Senate's tough. He's telling these high dollar donors this. Then he goes on and says, according to an attendee who shared the president's comments of condition of anonymity with the Post. So now I'm telling you, this is one of his donors, supposedly, that is now sharing this information with the Post. Yes. No one respects this guy. Somebody who who paid up to, up to $250,000 to be there. Yes. Taped this and brought it. 
to the, to I mean, the, don't get me post. wrong. Maybe I'll start a GoFundMe, pay to get into one of these things too, and just wire myself. Because at this point, that seems to be the thing to do. So Trump goes on to say, there are a couple senators I can't really get involved in. I just can't do it. You lose your soul if you do. I can't help some of them. I don't want to help some of them. I'm like, first of all, you have to have a soul to lose. Let's start there. And mm-hmm. for him to say he doesn't want to touch some of these senators with a 10-foot pole is hilarious. I'm sure mm-hmm. a lot of these senators are like, don't come anywhere near me at this point. It was like the, when like when the Kushner family was at the Ivanka wedding and they're like, we didn't like her at first, uh, Papa <laughs> Kushner, who just got out of jail for making sex tapes of a prostitute with his brother-in-law or some shit. Yeah. I don't know. You guys seem like a sketch family. So, but, uh, you know, we're warming up to you. Like, that, like you are... <laughs> too sketchy for the Kushners? Okay, that's kind of what this reminds me of. Right, and these these senators are now too sketchy for Donald? <laughs> wow. And I'd be really interested to know which ones he's talking about. Because he obviously know. didn't name them, but it'd be interesting to know which ones he thinks he can't help out at this point. Because he'll lose his soul. Anyway, so Trump's comments, those were made at a closed-door gathering. This was in Nashville, Tennessee, before the last presidential debate, according to The Post, where he said that he thinks the GOP is taking back the House. Donald, let me tell you right now, you're losing the House at record numbers. This is going to be a bloodbath, a blue one, though. A blue wave is going to take over the House if everyone gets out and votes. Because there are there are places in rural America that they never expected to flip that we have chances of flipping yet again. Just get out and vote, people, please. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this is kind of frightening. Trump has signed an executive order paving the way for the federal government to fire people at will by stripping civil service protections. Uh, I was one of those employees that was protected by these civil service uh, protections, uh, but he's created a new schedule, Schedule F, for accepted employees of the federal government that basically uh, it's kind of vague as to who they are, but that they can be fired at any time for any reason. uh, And it strips away their their protections. Uh, And of course, after that, an email was sent out to VA employees last week, which is where I used to work, telling them to, quote, keep an eye out for insider threats deep state insider threats. He compared folks like me to foreign spies trying to infiltrate our freedom, I guess. And he said one way to spot these people is if they say they're concerned about being under investigation, which is also something I said. Sometimes I maybe I'm a little paranoid, but these these memos seem like they might have to do with me a little. I don't think you're being paranoid. I mean, you were being investigated while you were doing Mueller, she wrote. I mean, come on. I, you, I know you don't want to necessarily take that, or maybe it feels like touting, which is weird because I'm not sure that's something you want to tout. But clearly you were in public domain and this was happening to you. So I think that you, you are probably part of this, honey. But there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of federal employees that are, sure. that are feeling this too. So, uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll probably go over that in more detail on a different show. I was going to do out a separate show I, that I, I, you know, I got to speak with the former secretary of the VA about the whistleblower nice. accountability office there and uh, revealed a lot of interesting things, but that's going on. He, he couldn't fire me for cause. He couldn't fire a lot of us for cause. He had to do the trick where he moved our jobs across country as Mick Mulvaney bragged about. And so now he's moving the goalposts saying I can fire whoever I want. So interesting. Uh, more bad, unfortunately, bad COVID news. Uh, so, you know, in the debate, we heard Trump go, there was a spike in Texas and that's gone. There's a spike in there and that's gone. There's a spike in Michigan and that's gone. Well, they're not gone. And it seems that they're not gone, but they are being underreported because of what? A weird 
data problem from the, the federal government. Okay, let's get into it. So this is basically it. With the number of coronavirus patients requiring hospitalization rising at alarming rates, and we know this, so all the bullshit from the, the debate, we know that it was indeed bullshit. Um, Missouri and perhaps a handful of other states, they're, they've been unable to post accurate data on COVID-19 dashboards because of a flaw in the federal reporting system. Yeah, the flaw is the president. Uh, yeah, because <laughs> uh, this flaw in the system feels a lot like that cord that was accidentally cut <laughs> in the in, in ah, that, that put down the voter re- registration website in Virginia. Yeah. Yes, that's what it feels like to me. That's weird. A cord was accidentally cut. Okay. So since Tuesday, the Missouri Department of Health and Senior Services coronavirus dashboard has posted a message that the total number of patients hospitalized for COVID-19 has been underreported since October 17th. So we're going on, what, two weeks almost now? About a, yeah, about a week and a half. Yeah. yeah, about a week and a half. So, um, oh, right. God, I forgot. It's only Monday. The no- Every day is Monday, for God's sake. So the note blamed, of course, there's a note blamed, challenges entering data to the portal used by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services for collecting daily hospitalizations around the country. So this is a nationwide problem. The project noted that the number of reported intensive care unit patients in Kansas has decreased from 80 to 1. Without explanation. So, Allison, unless all of these people died, <laughs> like all 79 people died and no one else was hospitalized, there's clearly a problem with this reporting. Uh, it said Wisconsin's hospitalization figures stayed unexpectedly flat while other indicators worsened. And it said Georgia, Alabama, and Florida reported only partial updates in hospitalization data. They are trying to keep the numbers down. They're trying to make this better. I'm sure they were trying to do this before the debate. So when Trump said, we're turning a corner, we are turning the corner. This is just going to disappear. Uh, it, it made it look like maybe he's right. But it seems that there, at least there's some people still doing their jobs and realizing that this is a, a problem within the, the federal system that is causing this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Challenges entering the data means whoever's keying the data in at the Health Department of Health and Human Services, which job, by the way, was taken out of the federal government and given to a private contractor called Pat, like with a a platform by the same dude who put together Palantir. Uh, So it's it's clearly, uh, yeah, totally an accident. Um, But anyway, we'll be right back with some encouraging updates from the Democratic candidate for Colorado's 5th District, Jillian Freeland. You're going to be so excited about this. That's for the Flip It Blue segment. And later I'll be chatting with American political commentator and the host of the AM report at HAPS News, Alex Mohajer. So stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG. Today's episode of The Daily Beans is brought to you by Magic Spoon. Since I was a little kid, my favorite food has always been cereal. I would sit down, like, eat a whole box of it while watching Saturday morning cartoons. But as an adult, I've had to give it up because of all the sugar and carbs. But I'm excited to share Magic Spoon with you. This is a cereal that is so delicious, you will not believe it's made without all the sugar, carbs, or guilt. Truly, it is so good, you will not believe it's also healthy. As Forbes magazine says, with cereal that tastes this good and offers so much nutritional value, as opposed to, well, none, Magic Spoon may be the future of breakfast. Magic Spoon cereals amazingly have zero sugar, 12 grams of protein, and only three net grams of carbs in each serving. It is keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy 
soy-free, low-carb, high-protein, and GMO-free. The best part is it's so delicious. It's like the best thing I've ever put in my mouth. So with four amazing flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and blueberry, Magic Spoon tastes incredible, and it's honestly too good to be true. But it is real, and I love it. My favorite flavor right now is blueberry. It is scrumptious and delicious. I sometimes snack on it dry as a sweet treat, or I will have a big bowl and then drink the milk up afterwards. It's so good. So go to magicspoon.com slash dailybeans to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code dailybeans at checkout to get free shipping. Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it is backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they will refund your money. No questions asked, but you will love it, I swear. That is magicspoon.com slash dailybeans and use promo code dailybeans for free shipping. We thank Magic Spoon for sponsoring the podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time to flip it blue. I'm And joining us again for the Flip It Blue segment is the Democratic candidate in Colorado's 5th District for Congress, U.S. Congress, mom, entrepreneur, board member for various local district organizations and programs. She owned and operated a small business providing midwifery services. We've spoken to her before. Please welcome Jillian Freeland back to the show. Jillian, how are you? Oh, I am nerding out on numbers a lot these days. <laughs> it's it's kind of nice to finally be in the go time of the election because I've been on the campaign trail for a long time, planning all of these logistics, building the machine, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And now it's just voters do your part. Um, yep. It's, it's exciting. And it's also, you know, another reason that I am proud to be a Coloradan. Our elections are just badass. We have an amazing secretary of state who has actually helped a lot of other states as they tried to implement mail ballots because Colorado's had them for six years now. We've got the system pretty dialed in. It's very secure and uh, efficient, and it's actually cost effective as well to do mail ballots, and it increases turnout. And so uh, we are very encouraged by the early returns. We've had some exciting developments with... um, even the number of people who were registered in 2016 but did not vote, already 8,600 of those voters have actually cast a ballot, and we are still 12 days out. That is so amazing. And uh, the system that y- y- y'all have had in place for voting for so long now is is also brilliant. Um, and as a Californian, uh, you know, we've been all sent our ballots by mail. And we're so we're very excited to participate this way as well. I filled it out, I mailed it back, took two days received ready to be counted. And so I you know, I'm so excited. So it it makes you wonder how much of this vote by mail, um, you know, fabricated problems from this administration are in fact fabricated. Um, I think the hardworking people of the U.S. Postal Service are are doing their jobs. Mm-hmm. Well, and what's frustrating to me is uh, my opponent, Doug Lamborn, has very much been a rubber stamp for the Trump administration. Well, the man has been elected by mail ballots three times now. And so the the hypocrisy that just continues to pour from this administration, it still astounds me. I, I'm kind of glad to say that I'm not shocked out of being shocked yet. Um, But his silence on this issue on how efficient and inclusive and secure our elections are really speaks to where his loyalties lie. It's not with Colorado. It's with 
the guy who's in the White House. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I think I mentioned last time we spoke that he has often stated that he represents only a certain segment of Colorado's fifth district being the Christian conservatives. And I understand that these are divided times that we live in, that partisanship is at, you know, record extremes. But this district isn't all Republican. We're not all Christians or conservative. And every person in this district reserves representation. And I think that's what voters are reaching for this time. And, you know, we we have the number breakout of who has participated. And I'm really excited to see going forward how many people continue to early vote. And a piece of data that we have no way of predicting is how many people are going to vote on election day. Because in so many ways, this election has already blown the data out of the water. (laughs) Uh, The Secretary of State said, uh, and, and it's difficult to keep up with because, you know, every day Colorado gets to put out more information about the number of ballots that have been cast and accepted. And the the voter returns are up in in the let's see here currently 40% of democrats have already returned their ballots they reported immense increases in early voters statewide to where uh when i called and spoke to the county clerk's office here in el paso county they said the stacks of ballots that have come in are unlike anything we've seen and uh, they are processing them as fast as they can, which will result in us knowing who won our elections on election night here in Colorado, which uh, I know a lot of folks have anxiety about, will we find out, or rather, when will we find out who won the presidential election? Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are a lot of people on the ground doing the work uh, to make sure that people exercise this right, because you know we know what's at stake. Mm-hmm. It, it's our healthcare, it's our planet, it's how much corruption we're willing to accept in our government. And so it's kind of, it's kind of interesting to hear from voters that we're contacting that, you know, like 50 people have told me to get my ballot in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and what I tell them is once you get that ballot in, we update our lists constantly so that we don't pester people who have turned in their ballots. So the sooner you get it in, that actually has a couple of impacts. It makes the election night counting go faster it helps campaigns because we can focus our resources on people who actually need to be reminded. Uh, and it means less pestering for you. (laughs) (laughs) And it also thwarts, um, a lot of what this administration and what, um, the FBI and CIA has warned us about, which is a lot of election noise, uh, coming from, inside the house and outside the house about returns and numbers after the election between election day and when the results are certified. So it also thwarts that you are you getting your ballot in early helps thwart Russian influence in in our in our election. And um, by by getting those counted early. So tell us a little bit before before we get to the, the fundraising numbers, tell us a little bit more about some of the statistics about how the early vote is going. So I obsess over this every morning. I pull up the refreshed list and we can see some changes in the number of voters that are registered uh, because, you know, as people go to look for their ballot, if it hasn't arrived yet, then they update their address. And so some people are no longer in the district. Some people are changing their party affiliation. And over the last two years, we have seen 
two really important demographic shifts for flipping this district. The number of registered Republicans in the district has gone down and the number of registered unaffiliated voters has exploded. And some of this is, you know, Republicans defecting to the unaffiliateds. Some of this is new people moving to the district because the area is exploding. A lot of folks are being priced out of Denver. And so they're moving down to Colorado Springs and commuting Mm -hmm. or telecommuting these days. (laughs) Work by Zoom, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But so so we have 34,000 more unaffiliated voters than Republicans in this district. And, you know, there have been so many people as I've been campaigning for the last 19 months that have been like, well, you know, that's a Republican district, right? I was like, oh, you don't think I looked at the voter numbers before I did this? (laughs) 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 And remind me about some of the demographics of your district. Do you have a lot of suburban areas in your district in Colorado Springs? So the majority of the voters live in Colorado Springs which, uh, you know, currently the Colorado Springs metropolitan area is about 750,000 people. And of course, if Space Force continues to stay here, that will increase civilian jobs in the area as well. And so uh, we are probably going to hit a million people in in this part of the district very soon. Uh, I would say within the next five to 10 years, for sure. Uh, We are also district with uh, several western counties which unfortunately means you know because the population is concentrated here in Colorado Springs a lot of candidates and the elected ignore those western slope counties and i actually had a pretty funny conversation with the county commissioner in Chafee uh, that he said you know Jillian i really like you and i hope you represent me for one term because we don't belong with El Paso County And this is something, another way that Colorado shows leadership, we actually created redistricting commissions. Mm -hmm. And so when the census data comes in, we will have Republicans, unaffiliated and Democrats at that table drawing fair districts, which is what every American deserves is equal representation. Mm -hmm. And, and of course, somebody who doesn't proclaim, I only represent part of the district, (laughs) Which, you know, interestingly, has uh, resulted in some fun fundraising numbers. And, um, you know, I want to see fundraising cut out of politics. Money in politics is corrupting. And um, but in order to make a campaign go to pay for child care and a campaign manager and mail and TV and social media, this all takes money. Um, Doug Lamborn has been in office for a million years. And so his (laughs) PACs cut those checks very promptly. Uh, He, 75% of his funds come from PACs. And we, we put together a graphic of his sponsors, you know, NASCAR style. (laughs) And, and you can find it on our social media. Uh, Our Twitter is FreelandCO5. And it's pretty amazing to see, you know, the media companies, the international law firms. He takes a lot of corporate money from corporations that have offices here, but are actually based in other parts of the world. And this is 100% legal, but it is the state of our elections. And um, that being said, last quarter, we raised 74,000, or I'm sorry, excuse me. We raised $94,731. Doug raised 
$76,085. And like I said, 75% of that was from PACs who cut big checks. Our average contribution was $65. These are people who are giving up their Starbucks you know, <laughs> uh, to contribute to this campaign. And, and the number of people who have contributed, uh, well, for one thing, I'm honored uh, because that's an awful lot of people who care enough to give up their hard-earned money. Uh, and another, especially in times of COVID, where a lot of people mm-hmm. are struggling financially, whether you are employed in the hotel and restaurant industry or, uh, you know, actually a lot of medical folks got furloughed for a while at the beginning of the pandemic. A lot of nurses who worked in offices that weren't uh, you know, like high priority medical procedures got furloughed. And, mm-hmm. you know, those are hardships on families. My opponent has voted against every aid package. And it kills me because then he turns around and talks about, I'm Mr. Family Values. I care about small businesses. No, you don't. No. Yeah. He, he, he's there saying it's just too expensive. It's just too much money. Meanwhile, they've tripled the deficit. Um, and, and all of that money, when we write our tax checks, goes to the top 1%, all of it. And and so it's very frustrating to have an increase, to see an increase in your taxes because of this tax bill and knowing that it's not going to help you or any family like you. And I wonder, I wonder if this explosion in unaffiliated, vo- in unaffiliated voters speaks to the number of people who generally don't vote or who are moderate and and don't see themselves on either side of the political fence are in this fight now. Uh, And I'm thinking suburbia. I'm thinking, you know, the people who give up their Starbucks to donate uh, a little bit to you. Uh, And that's the sort of the the demographic that I think is also we're seeing this trend nationwide where unaffiliated and independent voters are voting early. They're voting Democrat. And I just I I envision like uh, these folks in the in the voting booth who would normally vote Republican. And, you know, they look left, look right, vote blue all the way down the ballot. Um, because they know what's at stake in this particular election when we talk about health care, pre-existing conditions, uh, the the gutting of the Affordable Care Act, uh, especially in your um, in El Paso County, outside of there where you have the more Western, uh, 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 more rural, you know, kind of out, not in the in the city centers who are ignored, who have food deserts, who experience like slow internet speeds, who who don't get the environmental care and protections that they should. A lot of farmers who are now in so much trouble because of, of uh, this tariff war with China, where they're trying to convince you that China's paying for it. And it's not. It's our families. It's our farmers. It's our everyone. It's our education systems. It's our healthcare systems. And so, you know, that is why, and you know, when we had you on before and we went over your platform, uh, you know, and we talked about how everything was dovetailed together, the economy, jobs, healthcare, our jobs are tied to our healthcare. We're in the middle of a pandemic. So many people have pre-existing conditions now because they've contracted COVID. Our hospitals are at capacity or going back to capacity. We're going to have a hard winter, et cetera. And, and that the Republicans just not only ignore it, but take away funding for programs and health care that would help us stay afloat. It's shameful. And and don't forget that just last week, Trump tweeted about how Mexico's going to pay for the wall. He's still on that shtick. Um uh, 
and 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 they've done so many shady things with budgets you know <laughs> if you paid attention in your civics and your social studies class congress has the power of the purse and the trump administration has taken billions out of planned military construction projects including eight million dollars out of peterson air force base and these projects were things like schools getting mold and asbestos out of military housing hazardous materials storage you know kind of important things and they took that money they misappropriated it and put it down on that southern border and the thing friggin blew over in a stiff wind <laughs> i mean talk about wasting taxpayers money and this is what comes of having a president who has been entitled and wealthy his entire life money doesn't mean anything to him and spending other people's money doesn't mean anything to him unless it's about keeping more in his pocket yeah no he has a history jillian sorry to interrupt but he has a history of using taxpayer money uh when he was running the trump his father's you know slumlord empire and buying one cent bricks instead of three cent bricks and not fixing things, not installing sprinkler systems, not doing basic code things. And so it's no shock that he would take our taxpayer money and give a contract to a mobbed up friend company of his to build a wall out of shoddy materials that would blow over in the wind. This is his M.O. He's been doing it since the friggin 70s and and that's what he learned from his father and you know and i mean he was sued by the department of justice for keeping uh, for not renting to people of color and now he's using our taxpayer funded money to build construct walls to 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 continue his xenophobic behavior and it's it's absolutely ridiculous and and it's folks like your opponent it starts locally Doug Lamborn, it, it, the, the fish rots from the head, but it, you know, it can't rot unless everybody down ballot is rotten too. And so I think that is why it is so important. And I'm so, so glad that you outraised this quarter. Um, that's incredible. And uh, I want to continue that trend. So can you remind listeners where they can contribute and how they can volunteer for your campaign, whether it's text banking, phone banking, postcards, how they can help? Well, my website's really easy to remember. It's just jillianfreeland.com. And that's where you can do everything. If you've got some bucks to kick in, there's a big old contribute button right at the top. There are also buttons to sign up to volunteer. And volunteer efforts right now are geared toward texting and phone banking. We have dropped thousands of postcards in the mail and left thousands of pieces of literature at people's doors. Uh, and so at this point, everything that we're doing is remote, which of course, you know, for public health, that's a very good thing. And it also means that you can sit there in your sweatpants and nobody will know that you're doing democracy. <laughs> you can also connect with our campaign on social media. Our handle on Twitter and Facebook are the same. It's at Freeland CO5. Yeah. And I'm so excited to see um, some of the silver linings coming out of uh, this pandemic. First of all, the communities that we're building, 
the uh, the ability uh, for people to understand how how telework is is actually a, a productive way to to conduct business, and and it, I think it's so helpful also for people with disabilities who've been left out of this kind of uh, activism that are now front and center and and and. It's it's incredible, and I'm so excited to see once once we uh, vote blue down the ballot, and we get COVID under control in this country, how this time will impact future elections and how we campaign in the future. I think it's very exciting. We're in a reckoning for the soul of our nation, and I am proud to be among so many great people who have stepped up and said, "This is not okay, and this is how I can help." Yeah, I think we will look back uh, at this time in history and be grateful uh, for the side that we're on. Yes. Thank you so much for for coming back, giving us an update. Again, so, so excited about your fundraising numbers. I hope we had a little bit to do with that. I hope we helped. And uh, I, I really hope people uh, check out support and volunteer for your campaign and contribute if they can. So thank you again, Colorado 5th District Democratic candidate for U.S. Congress. Let's beat Doug Lamborn. Thank you. Thank you, Jillian Freeland. You too. You be. I forgot to throw your name in there, Jillian Freeland. <laughs> I, I'm just like you all know her. You know you've seen her on the Tonight Show. Uh, no, I appreciate you. I appreciate you so much, and thanks for all that you're doing. Thank you. And you know, on a personal note, I so appreciate your podcast <laughs> because you. I mean, like that's what I say when I listen to the news, and you put it out there. <laughs> I appreciate it. No problem. Matto was swears. Uh, anyway, yeah. <laughs> have a have a wonderful weekend, and uh, I will send you a Zoom invite. We're going to be doing kind of a boozy sort of results show with some uh, some of the women from the Electorate Podcast, Two Broads Talk, Talk Podcasting. We're going to be following your race and everybody who I've brought on the Flip It Blue segment. I'll send you an invite. Would love to have you stop in. So have a great weekend and keep going. We'll keep fighting. Thank you. Thank you. You too. All right. Bye. Everybody stay with us. We'll be right back with the interview. Hey, everybody. It's AG for The Daily Beans. And this segment of the podcast is brought to you by The New Yorker. I have been an avid fan of The New Yorker for the longest time. I remember picking up my first copy and being drawn in by the art and design. And of course, my favorite part, the cartoons. I am so proud to have their support. The New Yorker has always been the best of the best in print and online. The New Yorker stands apart for its commitment to truth and accuracy, quality writing and compelling reporting and storytelling. Truth and accuracy. Remember those things? <laughs> the New Yorker is considered by many to be one of the most influential publications in the world. Their weekly print issues and daily online articles cover a wide range of topics. There's something for everyone. So if there's politics and news, you know, which of course we love. There's also international affairs, climate change, the environment, pop culture, the arts, fiction, food, humor, and of course the cartoons. The New Yorker has become the daily digital destination for news and cultural coverage, publishing 10 to 15 exclusive site-only stories every day. In addition to that, you can use their apps, read from the online archive going all the way back to 1925, solve the crossword puzzles, and more. In both print and online digital issues, The New Yorker has content from the best writers in America. A couple of my favorite contributing writers include television critic Emily Nussbaum, who won the Pulitzer Prize in 2016, and Doreen St. Felix, who covers the highs and lows of today's culture. She won the Ellie Award for columns and commentary in 2019. 
A 12-week subscription for just $6 includes home delivery of the print edition every week and unlimited access to the New Yorker website. That is a 50% savings for the listeners. And for a limited time, you can get 12 weeks of the New Yorker for just $6. That's a savings of 50%. Plus, listeners of the show here will receive an exclusive tote bag free. So go to newyorker.com slash dailybeans. That's N-E-W-Y-O-R-K-E-R dot com slash dailybeans to get 12 weeks of the New Yorker for just $6 and a free tote bag. newyorker.com slash dailybeans. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Joining me again today for the interview. Very excited to talk to you. Uh, host of the AM Report, HAPS News, this show where we've sort of been tag teaming on interviewing congressional candidates for U.S. House of Representatives. Everybody, uh, welcome Alex Mohajer to the show. Alex, it's nice to talk to you. AG, good to talk to you. <laughs> How have you been? I know that both of us, we, we keep in touch. We we message back and forth a little bit. You've been interviewing some incredible congressional candidates, uh, sort of going hand in hand with our Flip It Blue segment. Tell me how, first of all, congratulations, because just found out you've won the 2020 Harry S. Truman Award for activism. Uh, that's amazing. And, that, and that's with your work um, for the Vote at Home initiative, right? Yeah, with the Stonewall Democratic Club based out of LA. It was, um, that's a huge, huge honor, but I can't really enjoy it yet. Like we got to win this election first <laughs> because I'm pretty sure it's not going to mean anything if like we don't have a big, big win, but it was a big, big honor. And um, yeah, the Vote at Home initiative for through Stonewall, we ended up uh, registering about 30,000 people to vote by mail in 16 different states, which was, um, which was great and uh, a, a huge honor because, you know, the 2016 election came down to 77,000 votes in three states. And so if we all do our part to just turn out one or two more voters in precincts across America, we can win this election, something I've been saying um, for a long, long time. So whether it's a vote at home initiative or a phone call to your friends or checking in on family in, a, in Wisconsin or Michigan, um, that there's a really, really easy way to make a difference in, in the elections. So thank you so much for the work that you're doing, um, uh, you know, along the lines of kind of, you know, we've been interviewing uh, congressional candidates in the Flip It Blue segment to get folks to to jump online, contribute, text bank, phone bank, whatever we can do to help these these numbers out for for these congressional candidates. Because, you know, there's a lot of focus on the Senate right now, a lot of focus on the White House. And I'm glad that that you saw sort of um, an opportunity to help hold the house because it's so, so important that we do that. Yeah. And it's, to me, it's about more than just holding the house, although that's going to be really important. It's about trickling votes up. And we know like Democrats historically have not been competitive in some of these rural districts in these red districts, but since 2017, there has been an amazing outpouring of enthusiasm and groundwork groups like indivisible and um, local democratic parties have been organizing for years on the ground pounding pavement doing the work and so what we've seen is in special elections and congressional races since 2017 and even for doug jones in um in alabama there's been just wild upsets happening across the country so we know that it's possible it's just that we have to make sure that there's 
representation for these folks, that there's resources, and we have to organize for them the same way we will for Joe Biden. And in a lot of these areas, like I said, these votes can trickle up. In Florida, for instance, I interviewed, and I know you interviewed Adam Christensen, um, that these votes can be something that ends up helping Joe Biden in Florida when we turn out people in those districts to vote for mm -hmm. a congressional candidate candidate they like, or even a state house race, which by the way, you don't like the electoral college, there is an uh, interstate popular vote compact, which state legislatures need to sign on to. And getting a democratic state legislatures can ensure that we get, a, get rid of the electoral college without a constitutional amendment. And so these down ticket races are really, really important. I've just, I've been trying to, um, just like you have, I think, shine some light on them the best way that I can. Yeah. And those state legislative races too really help us with the, you know, our Eric Holder and Obama's project about reversing the negative impacts and disenfranchisement of, uh, of, of specific groups of voters by gerrymandering. And so it's, you know, I think it's so incredible, these, these local down ballot races. And so I thank you very much for, for this, this work that you're doing. It's so, so important. Tell us, um, Tell us a little bit about some of the other candidates because you, you just met you just mentioned Adam Christensen. We know if we can flip that Florida district, we can flip the entire state of Florida. And if we flip Florida, we win the White House. And so I think that's important. And then also we got new numbers out from Texas today. Uh, Biden is enjoying a very slim two point lead. Uh, in in Texas right now, and of course, or a two and a half point lead, and of course, the third party candidate is enjoying a two percent take, and that's why I've sort of been harping against voting third party for so long. But tell me what you think of this incredible turnout from young voters. We have never seen anything like this in the age group of eighteen to twenty nine. Well, it's really heartening. It's really heartening to see the demographics trend Democrat, um, and we know that that young voters uh, will tend to be more left, tend to be more progressive. But the issue has always been, can we turn them out? I'm a millennial and I've been voting since I was 18. And I find it very frustrating that in the past we have not been able to get represented, whether it's because uh, we feel like politics just doesn't work or it doesn't represent us or um, whether it's uh, lack of access to voting for young people in states where there's an active attempt to purge young people from the rolls in, in college uh, cities, because we know college students move a lot and purging uh, people from the rolls affects college-aged voters. Um, either way, um, it's really nice to see these demographics trending, but it's just about per turning people out. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, in terms of the, the Florida races. I, I interviewed Dr. Cindy Banyer. She's running in Florida's 19th congressional district. She's um, a mom and a PhD, and she's just a fantastic, fantastic candidate. And people like Dr. Banyer can win these races. There is, it's not that uh, unfathomable. So look into your local races, look into your congressional races and state legislatures. It's just a super important and getting to talk to them on shows like mine has been really exciting um, because they're so not used to getting a national audience. If you're watching a show like mine or listening to 
the daily beans and you hear about these candidates, but you don't vote in Florida's 19th, shoot those folks some money, shoot them five bucks um, because they can really use it and appreciate it. And it helps make them more competitive in districts where mm. Democrats have just kind of in the past, like overlooked them and, and figured, well, that's a deep red district. Let's just move on. You know what I mean? Yeah, or Republicans have typically run unopposed because they've purchased those seats and, and they're they're gerrymandered a lot of these districts specifically for those uh, Republican candidates who are often carpetbaggers. They don't even live in the district um, and they don't represent the actual needs of the people in in those districts. And I've, I've noticed a couple of really awesome trends with some of the U.S. congressional candidates I've spoken to. I've, I've spoken to a lot of moms. You brought up the um, the Florida candidate there. A lot of moms, a lot of activists, a lot of local grassroots um, people. And I think and a, a lot in these ruby red districts where there was never a, a thought of having a Democratic, uh, you know, opposition candidate in some of these races because of the gerrymandered nature of the districts. And now they're running neck and neck and they're doing really, really well. And I, I'm, I'm so encouraged by that. Yeah. And also lots of veterans running on the Democratic tickets, lots mm. of veterans, which is so exciting because you can't call the Democrats looters and rioters and radicals when you have people who have served in our military, I interviewed Devin Pandy. He's running for Congress in Georgia's ninth, which is a deep, I think, one of the most conservative districts in the entire country. And he's running a legitimate campaign. And that's because he's an, he's served honorably in our military. He was wounded at war. Mm -hmm. And he can come up and say, I served in our military. And Donald Trump thinks I'm a loser and a sucker. And that appeals to people. And that turns people out to support him. And like I said, these votes can triple, trickle up when they show up, when they're not traditionally Democratic voters in Georgia's ninth, but they show up to vote for Devin Pandy, then guess what? Maybe um, Reverend Warnock and John Ossoff get a vote and maybe Joe Biden gets another vote. So mm. these are districts we shouldn't be ignoring and they can be so important. And Texas, my goodness, <laughs> what is happening in Texas is so inspiring. And that's because People like Beto O'Rourke have been on the ground in Texas for a couple years now, contacting voters, registering voters, turning people out. And now we have some polls showing that Joe Biden's ahead by two points in Texas, mm -hmm. which is insane. I'm not I'm not counting on Texas. I don't think we should get complacent. And if you're a Texas voter, show up, vote early. Let's get this done. There have been 1.8 million new uh, um, voter registrations in that state in the last two years, which is insane and so heartening. But if we were to win Texas, the election would be over. On yeah. election night, we can call a Donald Trump a lame duck president. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, I am very excited to see this enthusiasm just like all across the country. And um, the, the, the polling has been very heartening, but we can't get, we can't rest on all our laurels quite yet. Not till the very last poll closes on November 3rd. And then we might have work to do after that too, <laughs> frankly. It's going to take time to count. It could take time uh, to count these votes. This is going to be different than any other election with the amount of mail-in ballots that we have because of the pandemic. Everyone needs to kind of chill. Uh, I think somebody put out an animated video like, chill the fuck out. We got to count the votes. And uh, there's going to be a lot of uh, foreign and domestic interference and disinformation that is going to hit us like a ton of bricks, like a fire hose of bullshit between the last poll closing and when winners are announced. So we have to be very, very careful about what we listen to and see. And, you know, I, I kind of am, am be, I just want everyone to know, like, just ignore the noise and we will see uh, where the chips fall. 
And we've been warned by the FBI and the CIA about this and all these plans for for disinformation in that time period. So and I also wanted to say uh, Devin Pandy is just a national treasure. That guy is so awesome. And he's in, in Georgia's ninth and and Georgia. The fact that Iowa's in play, Georgia's in play, Texas is in play, some of these states, Arizona could go totally blue. That blows my mind. And and I think I, I feel a lot of, I feel like I want to ride this hope wave, um, you know, all the way through the week after the election. But you're right. We have to stay on it. We cannot sit back. We have to keep working. We have to call these candidates. We have to volunteer, text bank, do whatever we can, contribute to make sure that we, you know, that we do as well uh, or better than we did in, in 2018. And AG, there's a fantastic organization for your listeners. If you're one of those people like me who is dreading what happens after the polls closes and before Inauguration Day, there's an organization called Protect the Results. Um, Look them up. They're doing work to make sure there are people on the ground um, checking the tallies at local precincts, making sure that they line up. There's work that we can do to help protect the results of the election. And that work's being done now. So check out Protect the Results if this is something that gives you anxiety, because I know that I literally lose sleep about it. <laughs> I think a lot of us are going to lose a lot of sleep in the next couple of weeks. So Protect the Results, uh, check that out. And can you tell everyone where they can uh, listen to your show, listen to your interview uh, interviews with these congressional candidates and all of the other news that, that you're putting out? Yeah, um, the AM report for Haps News, it's live every weekday morning at 7.30 a.m. Pacific, 10.30 Eastern uh, at haps.tv slash at Alex. Or it also streams on socials simultaneously. You can check me out on Twitter at Alex Mahajer. I tweet compulsively and retweet AG all the time. So um, you can check me out there. Same-sies. One day, one day we'll release our private conversations to the public, and it will be just a huge scandal about all the <laughs> all the backdoor deals that we've made together uh, with intervening these candidates the and getting the vote out. The deep state, apparently, <laughs> totally. Uh, literally, I am the deep state. I was a federal government employee. I was removed after an investigation into my podcast. You can literally call me deep state, and I'm I, I wear that. Uh, where I'll, I'll get a shirt. I'm, I'm actually just going to call you Deep State from now on. It's your new nickname. What nice. up, Deep State? Nice. That sounds a little porn-ish. I, I, I think we could do like a, you know, Debbie Does Dallas Deep State uh, instead of Deep State. But I, I do. I like it. So uh, thank you so much for talking to me today. Everybody check out Haps News. Uh, live every morning, 730, and it streams everywhere on the socials. I don't know how you pull off a live show, man. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I could do it, but I appreciate a all the work. A lot of coffee. <laughs> I appreciate all the work you're doing. Thank you so much for speaking with me today, Alex Mohajer. I appreciate it. Thank you. Talk to you soon. All right, everybody, stick around. We'll be back with the good news. Hey, everybody, it's AG for The Daily Beans. We have a very different kind of sponsor for this episode, The Jordan Harbinger Show, which is a podcast you really should be listening to. And I know that every day somebody tells you you have to listen to a podcast and you nod saying, sure, I'll check it out. And then you never listen to it. Don't let that happen here. Jordan's show, which Apple named one of the best of 2018, is aimed at making you better informed, a more critical thinker so you can get a sense of how the world actually works and come to your own conclusions about what's happening even inside your own brain. 
Each episode is a conversation with a different fascinating guest, and when I say there's something for everyone here, I really, really mean it. In one episode, Jordan talks to a hostage negotiator from the FBI who offers techniques on how to get people to like and trust you, which sounds useful and kind of disturbing at the same time, but very, very, very informative. Another episode tells the story of a cinematographer who discovered a lost city in the jungle and made one of the most important archaeological finds of the century. I recommend for our listeners they check out Jordan's conversation with Oliver Stone about writing, directing, and surviving the movie game. And episode 381 with comedian Neil Brennan, who I've done shows with, called Comedy's Triple Threat. Jordan is always focused on pulling useful, practical insights out of his brilliant guests. And we're not talking about pop psychology or wishy-washy self-help stuff here. These episodes are loaded with bits of wisdom you can use to legitimately change your mind and help improve your life right away. It is uh, definitely worth checking out. And we really enjoy the show, and we think you will too. So search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's finally time for the good news. Well, we'll float on good news is on the way. Okay, I need this. Need this today. So thank you for sending in your good news stories. If you have any good news stories, political, personal, corrections, confessions, just want to say hi, just feel like building me a compliment sandwich for no reason, send them to dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. That's how you do that deal. So, Danny, ready to do this? I can kick this off for us. Do it. Kick us off. All right. First up, Susie from Branson. Pronouns she and her. Hello from hell. (laughs) Things are mostly not great, but there have been a few high points I'd like to share. First, sometimes my drive doesn't seem as deliverance as usual. Second, I received my letter for poll judge training. I get to work on November 3rd. Thanks for motivating me, AG. Nice. Third, and best of all, third, I came home to my daughter and husband finishing this sign in time for a protest by Thumpster to not extend Branson's mask requirement. It passed, but my uh, and my husband wasn't arrested for yelling treason traitors <laughs> while wearing his felt U.S. cavalry hat and brandishing his saber in our front yard. Uh. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Bless your heart, Susie. Oh. Look at this photo. Oh, whoever made that sign, it's beautiful. It really is. It says Biden-Harris 2020. It's gorgeous. Thank right. you for, for your hard work. Yes. All right, more good news. This is from Melissa, pronoun she and her. As a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, quotes Mormons, I adored yours and Dana's description of what a Mormon online argument could look like. I'm so glad you have good impressions of me and my fellow Mormons. Unfortunately, this is not usually the case, at least in my experience. Mormons are humans just like everyone else. And can be just as mean in the comments section, especially when an issue, for example, abortion, touches on a religious rule or principle. I'm glad you haven't seen any, though, because for me, one of my favorite doctrines in my religion is that of agency or the ability to make own decisions, which ideally means you understand people have different opinions from yours. Thanks again for being so nice to Mormons. I always sort of pre-cringe whenever anyone starts to mention us, and you and Dana were incredibly sweet. It means a lot to me. I will tell I will tell you a personal story if if I can. So Melissa, I hope you are listening. Um, I had the privilege of speaking at something called Love Loud. Uh, Dan Reynolds from Imagine Dragons has been challenging the Mormon Church to accept the LGBTQ community, and they created this incredible festival, AG, and it was in Salt Lake City. It started in Provo. And it moved to Salt Lake City because it got so big. And the year that I spoke, it was forty five thousand people. 
in wow. a stadium. Yes. And it was um, Tim Cook and a bunch of other speakers and myself and Dan Reynolds, who's incredible, uh, was performing. And something happened where there was um, some of the dancers, so, so You Think You Can Dance? <clears throat> they were performing. I love and that was, show. Yes. And they were beautiful and they were gorgeous. And at the end of the dance, they embrace and they kiss. And we're in the middle of Mormon country, Salt Lake City, Utah. And this stadium erupted in applause. And what I've learned through working with the Mormon community, I did an event for a very Mormon uh, organization. Uh, it was the Giving Tree uh, who protects domestic violence abuse. Um, it, it protects the victims of domestic violence abuse in Utah, which is massive in the Mormon religion. Unfortunately, it's, there's a lot of it. Uh, but going into that room and I was out and they knew it. And there were so many people that were just so welcoming and lovely. And so I've, I've realized that the, I, I'm sorry, I know I'm going on and on, but the, uh, the, uh, what is it called? The idea of what people think are Mormons. There's so many different people within the Mormon religion, um, that really, really want to belong to the church and honor their faith but they also want LGBTQ people to have equal rights and they want to protect women and they want to protect our black community. And I imagine it's hard to justify those two things that are diametrically opposed within your faith. So that's where my, that's where my um, kindness, I guess, comes in because you never know what people are fighting and what they're dealing with, uh, even within their own religion. So yeah, hundred percent. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, sorry. I know that was a, lo a little long-winded, but Melissa, my love to you, and and, and I'm glad that um, AG and I's conversation gave you some hope. <laughs> yeah, Melissa, thank you definitely so much. And, uh, any, you know, anything, if you hear us talk about something, you want to let us know what you think, you can always just, you know, send us a little update, correction, or, or just a note. We love to read them. So, um, like... This one was a correction for me from Kathleen. She says, I've been listening for a while now since the Mueller report days. Enjoy you with my coffee in the morning. Thank you, Kathleen. I mentioned this before, but in your interview with Colonel Vindeman's wife, Rachel, I was really cringing every time you referred to Colonel Vindeman. Oh, Vindeman instead of Colonel Vindeman with no I in the middle. I was hoping this wouldn't happen, but it did. It was a great interview. You could tell she wasn't used to doing that, but she was bravely speaking out. Yeah, uh, Kathleen, I'm not saying Vindeman. I'm just saying Vindeman. I'm just pronouncing the D, the hard D. Um, it's, a, I guess, maybe it's a Midwestern thing. I know a lot of people just call him uh, Colonel Vindeman, like with a, like there's no D in it. But I, 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 you know, I guess I just sort of say Vindeman. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I definitely don't mean Vindeman like Vandekamps or anything, but thank you. Uh, I don't know if that, yeah, I guess that's just a personal preference on how to pronounce that name. She didn't say anything, but well, note taken. I can say Vindman and nobody will be mad at me. <laughs> so there's that. All right. <laughs> right. No, no comment. Good news. Yeah. All right. We're going to move on. <laughs> um, I was just listening. I was like, I don't have an opinion in this. Um, this one's from Emily, uh, who does not give pronouns. She is an Alaskan voter. Emily says, I'm an Alaskan voter. I'm a huge supporter of reproductive rights. And I fell for Lisa Murkowski's bullshit lies. I thought she was an ally. I've maxed out on donations for uh, Alaska's Democratic Party. The Democratic Party endorsed independent candidates currently running for our U.S. Senate and the House seats. And will do everything in my power to vote this treacherous motherfucker out in 2022. 
traitorous. Treacherous, they both apply. But I, I apologize for mispronouncing the word you used. Traitors and treacherous. Mm, yeah. Lisa Murkowski said she wasn't going to vote um, for Amy Coney Barrett, so she's pro-choice. Now she's going back on that. So, yep. And uh, I know that there is a Senate seat, but it's not Murkowski's up in Alaska, and that's Al Gross, who's running for that seat um, that, we, that we keep kicking money to. So if you are looking for a, a race to kick money to uh, for the Senate that is flippable and needs the money, definitely check out Al Gross. Um, next up from Fiona, uh, she, her. Um, and she says, name me and shame me. <laughs> I live in the UK <laughs> and I work for the NHS as a physiotherapy assistant on a busy medical ward. I love to listen to the Daily Beans when I'm driving home from work, often laughing out loud at the latest pile of horse shit from the orange cockwomble and his wacky racist crew. Thank you for educating me on the U.S. electoral system and, and how stupid it is. I'm kidding. She didn't say that. that I, I added that. <laughs> and for keeping a positive outlook during this shitstorm. Uh, I'd like you to meet my pod pet, Moses, a.k.a. Mosey. He's a black moggy with a big heart and very few teeth who lost his left leg after fracturing his tibia at the grand old age of 19. Wow. He's now 21 and a half and still manages to hop around the garden and get up the stairs. I consider him a true gentleman. Uh, he is an incredibly patient kitty. He has very perfect table manners. If I were human, I imagine his voice would be similar to a 1950s BBC newsreader, a la <laughs> David Attenborough. I say, old girl, would you mind awfully turning down the volume on that dreadful Trump fellow? If it's not too much trouble. Much obliged. I like it. Uh, <laughs> I can I, see that. <laughs> look at his face. I look forward to celebrating his 22nd birthday in the spring, when hopefully President Biden will be restoring normalcy in the White House. Mosey, my best friend, housemate, catnip dealer, slayer of hair scrunchies, and utter fucking legend. Look at this boy. I can totally see. Oh, my God. I can hear the voice. Someone needs to do that talking pet app. Please tell you a story. Say, old girl. Would you mm. mind awfully turning down the volume? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> very, very Winston E. <laughs> Churchill kind of a vibe. Oh, my God. So <gasps> I, I just scrolled because I have these good news on my computer, and the damn picture popped up first, and this is the cutest thing. Oh I, I got to get to it. <clears throat> Goodness, this one's from Diane in Ohio, pronoun she and her. My good news is that I finally got to vote in person. After four long years, my adorable news is that my dog, Kira, loves your theme song. She will wake up from a sound sleep when it comes on and run to my phone and stare at it. When it's over, she comes over to cuddle. Kira is freaking adorable. (laughs) (laughs) She looks like a border collie, maybe? Yeah, or like a little Sheltie situation. Oh, goodness. But these glasses, you all have to pop on this video. She's got video. Good Lord. This Mm. uh, picture, she's got these great uh, glasses that are basically the American flag uh, striped Mm. glasses. She's very cute and looks not bothered at all to have them on. No, she seems super chill. I'm glad she loves the theme song. I'll, I'll, I'll send that on to They Might Be Giants. I'll let them know. Dogs love you. Uh, thank you for that. That and yeah, the newsletter. We'll put the we'll put all the pod pet photos in the newsletter. Next up from anonymous pronouns she and her. Hey beans queens. This is somewhat good news and somewhat a confession. October thirteenth was Texas's first day of early voting, and my dumbass remembered to look up my polling place, but forgot to check when it opened. So I just kind of woke up and got dressed and rolled out around eleven a.m. I get to my polling place, prep for a wait, and the line was wrapped all the way around the building and down the parking lot. Deterred, I was not. I was prepped with a book, two water bottles, goldfish snacks, and my daily beans. <laughs> awesome. 
Oh, God. I, I hope I wonder if people listen to us while waiting in line to vote. That would be amazing. <laughs> uh, it ended up being a three hour wait. I felt bad because the lady in front of me and the dude behind me had doctor's appointments to get to. The whole reason I'm writing is that I'm white as fuck. Think wallpaper paste. And the line was outside. I got very sunburned waiting to vote. That's all I wanted to say. It was worth it. I will never forget my damn sun hat again, but totally worth it. Thanks to all my beautiful beans queens. New, high DG, and classy. Hey, AG. Uh, or classic, excuse me. I'm definitely not classy. Uh, <laughs> keep, keep up the fight. <laughs> Obligatory podcast pick. In the in, This is the incomparable Mr. Snickers. Oh, and he's Mr. Good. Snickers is beautiful, too. And from from uh, from DG High Anonymous, so mm. on the on the new. Oh goodness, you know it's funny because these. It's it's not that I and we talked about this before. I just happen to be a dog person because I'm allergic to cats. But man, these pod picks, you all have some beautiful kid kitties, beautiful beautiful kitties. Mm-hmm. I concur. Thank you so much for sending these in. We'll put them in the newsletter. Oh, goodness. Yes, good news. And uh, yeah, keep sending us your good news. Pile it on. Pile it on thick. We're going to need it this week. Oh, yeah. Uh, so keep them coming. Again, that's dailybeanspod.com. Click contact. You got anything uh, you want to departing words there, Dana? No, just all the, always just sending everyone love. You know, if, for those empaths out there, and I know there's a lot of us listening, just make sure, as we always talk about, you take your break, you take care of yourself, you need to hand off the baton, we'll, we'll take it from you. Because right now, when I was talking to AG before we started recording, I needed to hand mine off a little bit today, and, and she helped take it from me, and we get through this. That's what we do. We're a family. So keep doing it. Yep. Love y'all. Everyone, Till tomorrow, please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet, take care of your mental health. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by AG and Jordan Coburn and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by AG, Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com. <laughs>